Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 16 of the No Look Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who can't believe people actually find Jack Black funny. And I have my co-host with me today, Andy Flint. Flint Mo, what's good? You know how I can tell the rest of my family is downstairs watching the football game on the iPad? I just heard them during our opening credits here scream about the Gronkowski touchdown in the Patriots-Broncos game. Fun fact. Yeah, that might be, that might be the worst touchdown pass I've ever seen. Okay, so we're here to get into our show. As usual, we are going to go uh, with the while you were watching TNT segment. This week we were watching the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then we want to give you sort of a sneak preview into tomorrow's marquee matchup, which is not so marquee anymore with the Spurs and the Warriors, considering uh, Pop has already rested Tim Duncan and might rest some more players. But we are going to start with the news of the week. I think it's fair to start this way with um, the Cavaliers obviously dismissing David Blatt, promoting Tyron Lue to be their uh, head coach apparently for the long term, signing to a three-year deal. And Andy, I just want to, quick before we get into the Timberwolves, I just want to get some of your thoughts on the firing here. Well, you know, right before we started rolling, I was trying to give you a secret message, and it was to say, hey, we should touch the David Blatt thing first. So, good job, Frank. I mean, you read my mind. So, I just yeah, have a couple we, we, of we quick points. <laughs> we do. I have a couple of quick points just uh, for the sake of keeping this quick. The biggest thing for me with the David Blatt firing, and I know people are upset everywhere, but I never truly saw Blatt's fingerprints on this team. I, I just – I. I never saw him mold it, even the way Eric Spolster did when he went to Miami. I mean, he built traits. Uh, they were noticeable traits. And I, I think he applied them even as early as midway, the midway point uh, through his first season with Wade, Bosch, and LeBron. And, and I think you could see and you could look at what Spo did, and you could say, hey, you know, that was a Spo possession or a quarter or a game even. And in, you can still see some of these things today that he does. And I, I think he developed a, a style of coaching. I just never really saw it with Blatt. I mean, it's it's been, you know, over an entire season. And, and I just don't – I don't think it worked, whether it was him, whether it was the personnel or the combination of both. I, I just – I never really saw it for David Blatt. And I kind of thought they should have rolled into this season with a different head coach. Tyron Lue, on the other hand, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. As you know, I'm not a huge fan of the midseason firing just because I don't think you can have a new coach implement a new system, which it sounds like Tyron Lue does not actually want to implement a new system. He's sort of been a little hypocritical because, you know, there was that that quote that he wasn't going to do things differently. He was just going to do them better. But then after the game last night, he said, well, I want to run faster, and these guys aren't in shape to run the pace that I want to run, which makes it sound like you're running something different than David Blass running. So I don't know where to go with that. But – um, I agree. I think uh, Spo is a good comparison, obviously, with the LeBron situation. And, and, and you make a good point. I mean, everybody, maybe it's, people don't remember this as much, but the Heat struggled when, when the big three got together. You know, they what were they, 9-9 nine and nine or something like that? Because they were trying to implement this new system that we now know as the culture system, you know, with the ball movement and all that stuff. So 
it's the system that maybe at the beginning we didn't realize that that was like the SPO system, but now that he's been a head coach for so long, we, we realize that that's what it is. But let's be honest. I mean, the David Blatt firing has been in the works since he was hired because when he was not hired to coach LeBron James, he was hired to coach Kyrie Irving and a bunch of young guys and an up-and-coming team, and then all of a sudden LeBron James decides he wants to come to Cleveland, and then all, you know, it's sort of like this weird thing where we just hired this guy, but he's probably not the coach for this team, so what do we do? Do we fire him two weeks later after we just hired him? No, you try, try it out, see how it goes. But it was one of those things where, you know how we talked about Hassan Whiteside last week, how all it takes is five to seven games for for you, you to wear out your welcome. It was sort of like that with David Blatt, too. All they needed was an excuse. Uh, they were just looking for an excuse to fire him, and then the, obviously the Warriors game where they just got pummeled, that was the excuse. It was just like, okay, here's here's how we can sell it to people. So, you know, this loss happened, and now we can actually make an excuse and actually fire David Blatt. That's how I saw it, and, and I think... I think ultimately it is the right decision because I don't, I, you know, I don't think David Blatt was the coach for that team. So you got to do it at some point. But I agree with you. I thought it should have just been done before the season. Everybody knew it was coming. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, most of the time it looks like that team is just playing basketball with LeBron James as the hardwood coach. And I, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like the command was never there. It, and that was the other thing with Eric Spolstra. Is I said the first, the first second Spolstra was that head coach of that team with those guys. I said, there's no way this dude lasts all year and True. you know i couldn't have been i couldn't have been more wrong I, he just he, he came in there and he you know he kind of had he has the pat riley-esque thing to him and and it works and black i don't he always just kind of seems like he'd tell he'd say something and it wasn't just lebron i know people make it about lebron but it was other players too it was just like nobody he was there but nobody was listening and i would love to see how a practice was was going uh was run by david black yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the, the spoke comparison is a little different because, like, you, you, you sort of touched on it. The Miami Heat sort of have a better organization than the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers sure. are quietly still a mess, even with things, you know, it starts with Dan Gilbert and it goes all the way down. So, obviously, when you have a Pat Riley and he says, all right, Spoh's my guy, then people listen because Pat Riley has authority in the league as a person, as, a you know, anybody that knows basketball knows Pat Riley. So, I think that's the difference. But we are going to move on from the David Blatt firing and continue with our weekly segment. While you were watching TNT, we were watching the terribly but entertaining Minnesota Timberwolves, a three-game week work week for them. They went at New Orleans, at Dallas, both losses, and then they salvaged the week with a win at home against the Memphis Grizzlies. Andy Flint, how many Minnesota Timberwolves games did you watch this week? I caught two of the games. Uh, I caught the... uh the Grizzlies game, and I caught the Pelicans game. So I got to see him win one and, and lose one. I wish I had seen the Dallas game, though. That one seemed like the most interesting. Yeah, it was. That was the game. I watched the, the New Orleans game, the Dallas game, and I caught the second half of the Memphis game last night just because I saw that they were actually going to win a game. Uh, so we'll get into that in, in a moment. But what were some of your impressions of the uh, young Timberwolves here? You know, they, they kind of are as advertised, in in my mind at least, and I mean, we are talking about uh, a very young organization. We are also talking about an organization that drafted not one but two point guards ahead of the infamous Steph Curry. Yeah, one of which still plays there. The other uh, bum from upstate New York basketball is, yeah, is on. He's flipping burgers somewhere. And you know, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of very funny. And ironic, and I'm actually going to use the the whole Steph Curry, Minnesota passing out him twice thing 
in a second here. I think first, A, uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, just the combination of those two guys to think about what it's going to be in probably, we'll say, three years. Because the right. Towns looks like he's going to, you know, some of these guys like, you, see, people don't take things into consideration sometimes about how long it takes players to develop. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. we see these guys, we see guys like, I mean, a great example here is a Victor Oladipo. He had a really good second year, and now his third year has been rocky. So people don't realize that. How, how long has Steph Curry been, like, the most popular guy on the planet? I mean, really, this season and last. And it, right, Steph the Curry's been last in the, season. We're talking about a 27-year-old. He's not 24. I mean, we he's, you know, guys develop at, at a different pace. And that's the thing about Ricky Rubio and the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's He's 25 years old, this guy. People don't remember how young he was when he came into the league. So you're talking him, Wiggins, Towns. Uh, we have Zach Levine, uh, my my boy, my favorite college player of all time, Adrian Payne is there. I mean, there's <laughs> – you know, uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Gorgie Jang. I, you just have all of these guys, and they have a lot of good pieces. So I think they're in a really good position moving forward as they, they have – pieces to either trade or develop. And I, I'm just not sure. I, I feel like this team is a team that, you know, could be much better than whatever their record is. It's, it's kind of miserable. I think they're like 15 and 31 or something like that. 14 and 31. Um, I was given yeah. an extra win in there. A, you know, a <laughs> you tried, but you they, this, so, I mean, this, this team, this team has a lot of things coming together and, you know, I think they could be a good team here in a couple of years, but, Right now, it's kind of a circus. It's the, they're kind of like the kings in a sense. That's a good comparison. I think it's a. I'm glad that you stated their record because the first thing that I saw, because uh, like I said when we when you announced last week that we were watching them, I have not seen many of their games aside from the first five to ten games. I maybe watched a couple just at the beginning of the season, so I hadn't really seen them since then. So they had a solid first date performance against the Pelicans in the first half. You know, like you, you meet, you know, how you meet somebody's representative on the first day. You don't quite meet them. So KG's hitting 18 footers. Wiggins and Towns are on point. Towns hits a three. Wiggins is going to the rim, and then you find out that they fart in their sleep, and you don't really, they don't put the toilet paper on the right way, or you know, they like leave the toilet seat up, whatever. Like you find out all these bad things about them because they are indeed a 14 and 31 team. But you wouldn't have known if you if you watched their Pelicans first half performance which they ended up losing that game because they just came back down to earth to who they were. Uh, the big thing, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns, and we have to talk about two things. One on the court, which is that he is—he just plays with confidence. You can just see the KG like influence in him because he is just a rookie that does not realize he's a rookie. The guy does everything forcefully. He does—he gobbles up rebounds. That's, I call it the Chris Humphreys effect because Chris Humphreys used to do this for Lopez all the time. Where like every rebound is his. It doesn't even matter if he steals it from a teammate. He just wants every rebound to be his, which is good for a young player. Um, but the other thing we got to talk about really quick, Andy, are you on board the cat as a nickname? Cat nickname? Yes or no? No, I'm not. The, no, I don't like it. It's weird. Yeah, it's like right because it's his initials. Yeah. But yeah, but it's it's I don't it's weird to call a dude cat. I think I think like that's I, like strictly a name. I mean, and I'm gonna get hate mail, but this is a name reserved for chicks, like strippers. I don't I don't know, man. Cat. Yeah. So K, if you start changing it, it's like you go to the club. You know, you know, you're gonna see a girl named Carly with a K 
or it's like cinnamon with an S or something. I mean, no. Yeah, the other thing that scares me is the, the fact that his name is Carl Anthony Towns with a K. It sort of has like a, a C where a K might should be, and that sort of has like a future Kardashian hook, hook up in the future. And don't don't go there. Don't go there, Carl Anthony Towns. I don't want to see you and Kendall Jenner in uh, Bora Bora or wherever they go. Don't just don't do it. Uh, but back on the court, I think the rookie vet combo really works for this team. You know, they got KG, they have Tayshawn Prince, Andre Miller's YMCA on the bench because he's like a tall man now. He doesn't even play. But they really have even like Nikola Pekovic is a nice, you know, even though he's a younger guy, he's still I always consider him a veteran. And they sort of have that nice combo where well, he looks they like have he's guys, 45. Yeah, he he most certainly does, and he also looks like somebody you don't want to meet in the back alley. But you know, they sort of have these these rookies that can play in big situations. Like they like to get Wiggins and Towns in these games, and they run plays for them late because they have the kind of veterans that either. If you're like KG and you just don't play, <laughs> you know, you play six minutes at a time. Or you just have these guys that are okay at this point in their career just saying, okay, we're going to develop the young guys, and when there's two minutes left in the game, I don't want the ball. Give it to Andrew Wiggins. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what Carl Anthony Towns can draw up on a clutch play. So I really like that about this team. I feel like that they that they have a, a, a good recipe there. The other thing I wanted to touch on is that there's two plays I watched this week that I've never seen in an NBA game while I was watching the Minnesota Timberwolves. I saw a double delay of game. So, you know, when you get two delay of games, you get a technical foul. In the Mavericks game, each team got two delay of games, and each team shot a technical free throw because of delay of games. So I've never seen that before. And also in the same game, Chandler Parsons commits an offensive foul with the basketball. Like he, he was pump faking, and he hit. I believe I want to say with Tayshawn Prince, it might have been Andrew Wiggins. He hits him in the face with the ball, and the ref calls a foul. I don't actually know if that's a foul, but it was just the weirdest thing. I've never even seen that at all in my life. Yeah, I and you know another guy we didn't really mention anything about is uh, Shabazz Muhammad. I think he's he's like one of those really prolific, like sketchy players because he went from being you know, such a highly toted prospect coming into the league to being like a, now nobody wants him. Uh, he goes like mid, mid-round mid somewhere to the Jazz. And now yep. he, he's here two years later, and, you know, he's chipping in 10 and three rebounds. He's, his PER is about 15, up there close to 15. So I think he's been a good player. They have a weird design in their rotation, so if you look at it, and this is another thing I, I just found was funny. It's not really even all that important, but you have such a young big guy cast at center with, with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Jang, and even Pekovic is somehow he manages to be the third center in the rotation at this point. And then you have yeah. the shooting guard and the point guard. You know, you have Wiggins, Levine, and then Kevin Martin's third, and then you have Ricky Rubio, Tyus Jones, and Andre Miller there. So you have, like, all these young guys at the top of these, and then you go look at the forward positions, you have KG and Tayshaun Prince. Like, <laughs> you, you're talking, like, 80 years of basketball right there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So it it's is kind weird. of funny that Tayshaun Prince probably is a power forward nowadays, even though traditionally throughout his career he's been a three. But, yeah, you're right, he plays a lot of forward for them. Uh, so the other thing that, that I noticed is the one player, which you just mentioned, that really kind of doesn't fit on this team as far as, uh, where they're going is Kevin Martin. I don't really see the use for him on this team. You know, he sort of comes in, he's a sort of a ball hog, even though he is a little better than he was traditionally in the early parts of his career. But he is sort of, he's not like those veterans. He's not at that point where he's ready to just give up hope of winning another championship and letting the young guys develop. 
he is a useful piece on a on more of a playoff team, more of a contending type of team. So he really doesn't fit in in the mold of, and he's taking up minutes from guys that could be playing, you know, uh, primarily Zach Levine. I feel like Zach Levine should get more minutes on this team, even though he his minutes are starting to tick up a little bit. Um, but the other thing I've noticed about Kevin Martin and Ricky Rubio is there's no way that they're allowed in shooting practice with the young guys, right? Because their shots are so ugly. There's no way that that the coach wants just Kevin Martin and Ricky Rubio in the shooting practice. They're going to show up at like one o'clock and everybody's going to have been there for like two hours. And they're like, Oh, I thought, I thought practice was at one. And they're like, no, it was at 11. You must've just read the time wrong. Just because they don't want them there while the young guys are actually trying to practice their shots. Yeah. They, I mean, this, this team's interesting. I think it's, it's going to be fun moving forward to, to see how much they can grow, but they, they do need to do something. I kind of do wonder, actually, you're going to ask the elephant in the room. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Okay, so the the last thing I wanted to touch on is that, and this sort of relates to the elephant in the room because it, the the thing about this team is the clutch situations. It's they had the lead in every game that that we watched. Uh, they had the lead in the fourth quarter of every game that they watched, and I found myself just thinking that they would eventually lose. So I, it was just you're just waiting on the shooter drop, and that leads me to the elephant in the room question, which is who's Batman and who's Robin? So you got Carl Anthony Towns and you got Andrew Wiggins. So who is the alpha dog? And and this is sort of the, the OKC question, right? So it's like it goes back to the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook dynamic. Who's Batman and who's Robin? What do you think the answer is to that? Oh, I, I, I don't know, man. That, that's a tough question. And it's funny that you're asking it because I found myself asking the same thing. I was asking, like, who's going to be the guy? Right now, I think it has to be Andrew Wiggins because – the the big man position isn't even like a sexy position anymore. I don't even think kids aren't even going to be buying those jerseys, even if he's averaging like 25 and 15. I, I just feel like, and, and Wiggins is the the you know the more experienced player, albeit by one season. But I, I think I think Wiggins is Batman, Towns is Robin. But I, I really, in the same sense, think Towns might end up being the better player. Which in that yeah, case, so- the roles reverse, right? So, so it's it's strange for me because if you go by pure like what your case was basically that Andrew Wiggins is the prototypical build of what we consider, you know the the Batman sort of player now like the LeBron Jameses and your your Paul Georges et cetera, and the big man is sort of extinct. But if you look at their personalities, right? Carl Anthony Towns is such a confident player, and he he just wants you can tell that he just wants the moment. He's he, he does everything with confidence, like I said. And you could just see that when he doesn't get the ball, he's sort of like, coach, like, give me the ball. I can do this. You know, I can do whatever I want. Some, sometimes to a flaw. He's almost too confident. Whereas Andrew Wiggins is sort of like he – and he had this problem at Kansas. He sort of disappears at times. You don't really notice he's on the court. Um, he's a little passive. He has the uh, – what I call the Gordon Hayward syndrome. And, and we're going to go back to this clip from training day. It's just you've got to decide whether you're a wolf or a sheep. I mean, you got to decide, Andrew Wiggins, are you a wolf or are you a sheep? Are you going to end up following Carl Anthony Towns for the next 10 years? Because it's quite possible that you're going to do that and you guys can have a successful career. You know, the both of you can have a successful career as you as just a second fiddle. But you you really got to decide whether you're a wolf or a sheep. Do you have any more thoughts on the uh, Timberwolves here? No, man, I'm good. All right, we are keep going to move on to – what's that? I said, let's keep it moving, baby. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to move on to the Spurs and the Warriors who face off tomorrow night for the much-anticipated first meeting. So 10.30 NBA TV, we're going to have Spurs uh, going to, I believe it is in Golden State, 
Um, they were going to Golden State, and so Pop has already announced that Tim Duncan will be resting tomorrow. So we're going to give you a little preview, which will not involve Tim Duncan because it's just a preview for tomorrow's game. And Andy Flint, give us your impressions. Who do you – well, for, for one, who do you think is going to win tomorrow? And give us some keys to the matchup. You know, I I know what you're looking for here, and I – I mean, I I did say that I think the Spurs are the better team. I actually I think Golden State's going to take this game. I do. You I think. Did uh, the Spurs yes, yes. And however, I do I do still stand by that. I think the Spurs are the better team. I think uh, if we were starting a seven game series tomorrow, I would definitely be picking San Antonio. Even if Golden State had the home court advantage, that's that's still my opinion. That's you know my stance. However, I just I think you know maybe maybe it doesn't matter so much that Tim Duncan isn't going to play tomorrow. Um, you know well, what I what I think. Tim Duncan. <laughs> no, like I'm not Tim Duncan, like he's some, like, I, Six man. Well, I mean he's he's not the first or second best player on the team anymore. It might not even be the third at this point. I just think it's 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 no disrespect to Tim Duncan, but I feel like more so it's going to be the home court. You know what Golden State really has that is going to make this interesting if these guys do meet in the playoffs is Golden State, even though they are, I mean, the Spurs are going to be like the Wiley vets, but they do have the youth of Kawhi and, and LaMarcus Aldridge. We talked about this and some other guys, some of those other crucial role players of theirs are younger guys too. But Golden State has the same, their their confidence level might even be higher than the Spurs. I mean, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, managing over those guys and with a guy like Kawhi Leonard and, and LMA there, the, there should be unlimited confidence. But this Warriors team is like the most confident young team I've ever seen. And I don't mean, don't confuse that with cocky, because sometimes you get young teams that are cocky. You know, you have like, like I don't want to bash my boy, but Boogie Cousins is kind of like one of those young cocky dudes, doesn't care. You know, he's, he wants the ball. He wants to play the big most. But, like, the Warriors have backed that up. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I do think Golden State takes tomorrow's matchup because of the home court, and I, I just think a few things in the works. But I do stand by the Spurs in a seven-game series. What are your thoughts, Val? Yeah. So, I think – I also think the Warriors are going to win. However, even without Duncan, I think it's going to be a much closer game than, than many people think. Um, I think many people with Duncan out have sort of given the game to the Warriors already, which is sort of a strange thing to me because the Spurs still are uh, only two games behind the Warriors in the standings despite the Warriors' great start, and Duncan has rested. This isn't the first game Duncan's been out. They know how to play without Duncan. They know how to play with Duncan. They're the Spurs. They know how to do anything. I think the big question is who does Draymond Green guard in the game? Uh, So I would like to see... Draymond on LaMarcus Aldridge. I think that would be a fun matchup, and I also think it might it would be beneficial to the Warriors to have him guard Aldridge because I think Aldridge is sort of bothered by those smaller guys that, that guard him because even though he has more of a finesse game, I think he's, you know, when you get a big guy, most big guys are used to, be, used to being guarded by other big guys. So when you get a smaller guy on them, it sort of throws them off their game. But the other thing is, for people that were w- looking forward to this game, which I was one of them to a degree, but I also knew that there was no chance Pop wasn't resting at least one starter in this game because there's no <laughs> way he's going to tip his hand. There's, there's, there's just no way. If you thought Pop was going to play straight up, then you're the same person that doesn't believe that LeBron was consulted on David Blatt's firing, and I feel bad for whoever has to tell you that Santa Claus isn't real because you you clearly just believe in all kinds of myths. Uh, so there is no chance, you know, Somebody was always sitting. I wouldn't even be surprised if Tony Parker doesn't play either. Despite that, I think the Spurs can still keep it close just because 
they do sort of still have that underdog. And we've seen this time and again when the Spurs are shorthanded that they come in. Last year, I believe they played, I want to say they had a big game against Cleveland on TNT where Pop rested like three guys, and they won the game. Because these guys just know Miami. how to play. They know that, yeah, was it Miami? It might have been Miami. They did it so against it Miami like, two, year, two years ago. They did it against Miami. He sat, because people were mad. Remember, people wanted to, like, sue. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, time and again, these guys know that Pop has the confidence in them. And there's something to be said that when you're a guy like um, Kyle Anderson or, you know, even a Boris Diaw where Pop just looks at you and says, okay, you're going to play 25 minutes tonight against the Golden State Warriors and I have complete faith in you. You know, basketball is a confidence game. You know, people don't realize how much of a confidence game that it is. And when when your coach has that kind of confidence in you, these guys are all NBA players. Charles Barkley said something that really stuck with me once. He said the only difference between bad teams and good teams is one player. You know, one team has LeBron James, so that's why they're a good team and that's why you're a bad team. If you put LeBron James on, like, 25 of the other teams in the NBA, they're probably playoff teams at this point, even at this point in his career, and that's probably low. It's probably all 30 teams, to be honest. You know, I really think that the Spurs are going to be able to keep it close, but ultimately I think the Warriors are going to win because of the home court advantage. Yeah, it's, and it's literally the home court advantage is the reason I'm giving it to them, too. And, you know, it's not to say that Tim Duncan doesn't matter, but I think this is one of those matchups where you might you might almost be better off with different rotations, or you're going to have to have, you know, your rotations are going to have to be more plentiful because I think the Spurs are going to have to go small, and Tim Duncan, to me, almost doesn't even fit into that. I mean, if Bo gets on the court, fine, but you don't want Duncan guarding the Draymond Green. Uh, you don't, yes, I mean, I want no question. part of that matchup. Yeah, that, I mean, that's going to be the big question, The West, you know, when they inevitably meet in the Western Conference Finals, unless the OKC Thunder happen to have something to say about it. But the big question is going to be, can you play Duncan and Aldridge at the same time against the small ball lineup? That's that's going to be what the, the huge question of the series is going to be. ESPN is going to be talking about it for 24 hours a day for about a week. So that, and, and they can and that's, work and that's that in different really, ways, really too, is. because there's, you know, you don't want Andrew Bogut getting caught on LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, we saw Dwight Howard get caught on LaMarcus Aldridge in the playoffs, and, I mean, Aldridge had a great series, and, you know, it was yeah. it was good defense, and it, it, he's just, he brings you out, and then, you know, you talk about Draymond Green, and Draymond Green's going to be comfortable being brought out, but the thing with Aldridge is, and I, I think you'll, you're going to see it a lot with Green, is Aldridge is going to post Green up from 18 feet away. He's more than comfortable taking that shot. Is Green athletic enough to, to, you know, get up and block those shots or contest them? I mean, Aldridge is both taller and he's very good at making space, a la like a Dirk Nowitzki. So, I, I don't sure. know. It's, it's an intriguing matchup. I do have a question for you real fast, though. I have a friend yeah. who's a Spurs fan. I asked him the other day if he thought Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the NBA. He said, yes, absolutely. Can you make a case for Kawhi Leonard to be the best player in the NBA currently? Do you, would you accept an argument? Look, listen, I love Kawhi, Le- love Kawhi Leonard. I might be the biggest Kawhi Leonard fan. There is no way he's the best player in the NBA. There's no way Kawhi Leonard is better than Steph Curry. The Steph Curry disrespect really has to stop at some point because everybody just wants to not give him the fact that he's the best player in the NBA at this point, and there's, it's just no contest. It is Steph Curry. There is no second place. He is the LeBron James now. Steph Curry is LeBron James where we were just like, LeBron's the best player. Just write it down. Just take it to the bank. It's over. You know, you guys can compete for number two. That's Steph Curry right now. So Kawhi. I mean, I, I love I love Kawhi too, but I, agree. I don't even I don't even think he's top three or four. I mean, personally. Yeah, you can make a slight case for number two, even though I think it might be a little weak of a case. But we are going to move on to the end of our show. 
uh, our fantasy segment every week, the Fantasy Stud and Scrub of the Week, where we tell you the best and worst players in fantasy basketball. Andy Flint, who is your Fantasy Stud of the Week? My Fantasy Stud is one Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets. Kemba had, <laughs> Kemba's had like a 26-point game, a 40-point game, a 21-point game, a 52-point game uh, against the Jazz. He's He's been tearing it up, and he had a couple overtimes in there to get that. Yeah, yeah, the MLK Day uh, game was a double overtime game, but hey, stats are stats. Fantasy doesn't care how long the game takes. My fantasy stud of the week is James Harden with two triple-doubles this week, including one just before we came on air. But how's this for a triple-double stat line, Andy? 33 points, 17 rebounds, 14 assists, and then the next game he had a vintage James Harden game, 30 points on 15 shots. So what more do you want from him? The Rockets are quietly coming on. Not quite enough for me to cash in on my 55-and-a-half over in wins bet, but coming on nonetheless. Andy Flint, who is your fantasy scrub of the week? I dug deep into the bag here a little bit just because it was a guy that affected me personally and deal with it, everyone. I hold grudges. I'm looking at Andrew Nicholson of the Orlando Magic. He was a guy that was like a steal to get probably four weeks ago. Uh, you know, nobody had him. He was getting some minutes. He was doing some nice things. And, you know, deeper leagues. I play in 12-team leagues. He's a bum now. He hasn't scored a point in, like, four games. <laughs> so I also stuck with the Orlando Magic, but I went with a different direction. I went with Evan Fournier, who found himself on the bench by the end of the week after a hot start to the season. Uh, shot 28% this week, and everyone who had Nick Batum as their best French player in the league this season, go collect your winnings, I guess. So we are going to end our show, but before we do, I am going to tell you, Andy Flint, we are going to the brothers up north getting full on that jack back. Shout out to Loaded Lux. We are going up north. We are watching the Toronto Raptors this week and see what Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan have to offer. It's but about this time. Is the end. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're a huge Kyle Lowry fan. I forgot about that. Nova. Uh, this is the end of our show. We will be with you next Sunday from 6.30 to 7 p.m. to continue our journey around the, across the NBA. But we will end, as always, with the great philosopher, Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.